Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to my little corner of the world, Holy Coitus. My name is, I can't tell you because this is an anonymous podcast, but my guest is Brave, and she will be talking to you about her, and she, I think you're telling everyone your name, yes? Yeah, I mean, my middle name, at least. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. So, on my podcast, I love talking about sex. And I also am currently in my hoe phase, but it's not hoe, it's hoe, H-E-A-U-X, because, you know, I have standards, mm-hmm. expectations. And so, um, since I like talking about sex and what, what I've gathered is like lots of people like talking about sex. So let's just have, let's have a sex coitus conversation. That's it. So can you introduce yourself to all the people? Yes, so my name is Anella. Remember, I'm telling y'all my middle name. But, Mm -hmm. and if you hadn't noticed from that, y'all, I'm from Texas, born and raised, the state that's currently frozen over right now. Ooh, goodness. Yes, yes. Wonderful. So, uh, every time I have a conversation about coitus and fucking and that sort of thing, um, I really want to know, like, What's been your journey like from um, when you first started hearing about sex to now? Now, of course, it could be a whole a whole book. But my first question, <laughs> how did you find out about sex? Like, who told you? What did you find? What do you what did you know? I started early <laughs> and it wasn't <laughs> even me. I from my mom, like my mom was not fooling around when it came to educating her children about sex. So from the get-go, when I mean the get-go, I mean like four or five years old, we were breaking out that book. She was like, this is a vagina. This is a penis. This is sperm. And this babies don't come from no stork. People get pregnant from sexual relations. Really? (laughs) Like, yes. We, I... My mom was wanting the driving forces behind me becoming sexually educated because she was not about to let me be in the dark whatsoever. She wasn't about to let anybody around me be in the dark either. Like, I never forget when I was, like, maybe a teenager, like 14, and my mom was driving a group of us to the movies. And we passed by Walmart. She's like, oh, anybody need condoms? Anybody need condoms? I get you some condoms. Don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. Just say if you need it. I'll go buy you some. <laughs> like, my friend in the car was just kind of yes and she was like they were kind of looking around like uh but later on one of them told me and she was like I mean I kind of wanted to say yes but like I don't know I know she buys them for you anyway so I can just get them from you (laughs) and she did like she oh god I had a whole box of like magnum condoms when I was a teenager and I'm like you got some big expectations for me mom (laughs) like (laughs) Yeah, so I wasn't using them, so I would just give them away. Like, I would. I would just pass them out of school. People would be like, hey, yo, Nella, um, uh, you, you, got, you got any condoms? I'd be like, oh, yeah, here, take three. Really? So that, that was you? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. You were the plug for condoms. That is adorable. <laughs> really? So yeah, I mean, I was the plug for condoms and a bunch of other stuff, too, like condoms and just like sexual knowledge. Like I had people coming to me asking is like, hey, you know, like my girl and I want to try to go from behind, but like we don't know what to use. And I'm like, oh, if you can't afford to buy a lube, just use Chris Crow. That's what the gay community uses. And it works fine for them. <laughs> and oh, we're like, hey, even, like, more serious stuff. It's like, hey, Daryl, and I think I might be pregnant. Oh, OK, well, the nearest Planned Parenthood is over here. Like you can go and you can get tested and stuff. You don't need parental consent. You know, because that's what my mom would do for me. She would literally drive around and be like, there's Planned Parenthood. They can do this and they can do that. And this and there's another one over there. Like, so, no, my mom was really the driving force of preparing me for at least the medical aspect or the physical aspect of sex. Mm. I think it's interesting you separate the medical, physical from the rest of sex. So what has your journey been about the emotional, psychological, spiritual? What are your thoughts on that side? Did your mom do help you with this as well? 
no. <laughs> like, I love really? my mom to death. But yeah, I love my mom to death, but she did not teach me any of that. Her education was very much so, this is what physically happens when you have sex. A leads to B, B leads to baby. Like, and that's really it. So, as far as me understanding, like, the emotional aspect of sex, that sex is between two people, that sex is, you know, can be done inside or outside of a relationship, or the kind of feelings of attachment or, like, feelings of maybe, you know, regret or shame or even yeah. guilt, like, all these other things that can come along with sex were never taught to me from my mom. So that kind of stuff I had to figure out on my own because even though my mom was very open about sex, talking about it like so much from the time I was a child, I actually was like quote unquote very late in act having sex. Like I think the first time I ever masturbated was literally right before I went to college. <laughs> and it was so terrible. you were sitting on all this knowledge and then all of a sudden you were like just let me go masturbate real quick. What was that? Do you remember the first time when you masturbated? Like, or like, yes, what, was do. the, what was the, I don't want to call it the trigger, but like, what, did you just wake up one day and be like, today's the day? Or like, what was that? <laughs> what was that type? No, I think what was I doing? I think I was reading like fan fiction, which is something I do because women don't watch porn. They read it. At least I do. <laughs> and so I, I was reading like fan fiction. I mean, yeah, I do too, but I will say overall, I do read more porn than watch. And if I do watch porn, it's like more BDSM stuff because reading BDSM is just not the same as watching it. Um, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> but I, so I remember just getting like really hot and bothered and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this and it's probably gonna be TMI. No, this whole podcast is TMI. But the whole I never that it was like, I, yeah, the first time I masturbated, I was trying to use a, um, what are they called? The menstrual cups. So like I had stopped using pads and tampons and I was using the cup, right? So I was on my period at the time. So the cup was in there. I thought, no, it's good. Like it's been working so far, keeping leaks. So I never forget. I was in the downstairs bathroom. My mom was not home and I had the lights off and I just, you know, went to town. And it was great. I orgasmed, but then, like, right as I'm orgasming, I forgot, oh, yeah, the vagina contracts a lot when you uh -huh. orgasm. So my little, little seal that the menstrual cup makes broke uh -huh. and, like, apparently squirted blood because oh, yeah. when, I turned the light, when I turned the lights on, it looked like a murder. Oh, <laughs> no, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, and then I was like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. So the next thing I know, I'm frantically, like, trying to scrub blood off the white walls of my downstairs bathroom. <laughs> Make oh, hope in it for Yes, that's, girl. <laughs> that's, that like, is, it was for real. That is spectacular. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever squirted on it. Have I squirted on a wall? Let me think about it. No, I haven't squirted on a wall yet. I gotta add that to my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, add it to the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yes. Did you get the blood off the wall? I'm I did. Worried. I did. I was so I got uh baking soda and vinegar. Good old baking soda and vinegar. Worked yeah, to get it off the wall and I was like, Yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. Nobody's gonna notice. But yeah, so I was eighteen. 18 years old, first time masturbating. Like, before then, I just never really had, like, the urge. Like, I felt sexual desire and things like that, but I never was like, hmm, let me just go down there and actually rub one out. So it was very much my, my, really a summary of my entire kind of sexual history. It's like, like you said, sitting on all this knowledge, but actively not using it until fairly late in my life. And I'm not old. So folks know, like, <laughs> fairly late in my life, I'm this old spinster here. But, like, later than, I guess, your average person. Because there were people, you know, students in high school and even in middle school that were having sex that did not have the knowledge that I had. And they were going at it. I just decided not to. 
So I think my, as most people, my real sexual exploration began when I went to college. That seems to be like the breakout phase for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, in college, I really, one, it was great because I got a job as a nude model in college. So that was fun because Did I remember like that the, was actually, What is it that? Did you do like the art photography nude modeling? Is that what you did? No, I did the like, one where you have to stand in the classroom and like everybody in the classroom draws yeah, you. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so cool. I have many follow-up questions about that part. Let's go back to... When you were not having sex, but you were the plug for all the things, like, you were talking to me about how you were the condom plug, you were the information plug, mm-hmm. you were the Planned Parenthood plug. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel, how did you feel with all this knowledge, and you weren't using it, but you were helping other people with their sex lives? Like, what, what were, how did you feel about yourself at that time? Oh, I felt great. Like, I liked being the smart one. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's not like I was dumb in high school, but I knew that I was helping people, and that really, really made me feel good about myself, being like, yeah, I'm helping you not get pregnant. Yeah, I'm helping you not get an STD. Like, that really did – I really did enjoy it, and it was really fulfilling for me, and going around and just, like, giving, like, small talks or someone had a question, coming up and answering a question – or even if people were, like, really, really shy about something, I'd be like, no, nah, it's fine. Like, this is the statistic about that. And, like, helping them calm down about it and stuff. So, mm-hmm. no, I was quite proud of the knowledge that I had and quite happy to share it with others. Mm, I have another question. So, before we get into new new thing. Um, <laughs> so... The questions and the feelings and the thoughts and the temperament of high school students when they when they were coming to you, um, are those thoughts and feelings and all those things the same as when people come to you now, but they're like grown ass people? Is it the same yes. or has has it changed yeah. over the years? It's the same. Kind of, yeah. So my personal opinion is that we never really grew up past high school. Like, most people really don't because the same kind of social structures are still in place, even though it just switches from high school to the workplace. But you, at the workplace, you still have cliques. At the workplace, you still have, like, the teachers. They're just now bosses and stuff. It's just now you can sleep with your boss if you really want to um, <laughs> instead of sleeping with a teacher. Which I, which I never did, but I was attracted to a teacher, and he kind of picked up on it, and so he was just like, keep your distance. I was like, no, 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 I understand, I understand. But I did buy him a penis-shaped lollipop once, and that was hilarious, because he accepted it, too. He was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to eat it all <laughs> night, and I'm like, yeah, you will. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing ever happened between me and this teacher, but he was cute. Like, he was a younger teacher. I'm like, you're cute. And so here's a dick pop for you. <laughs> and he took it. <laughs> but, yeah, so the kind of questions that I get, and just not just the questions, but the kind of attitudes that people have, where it's kind of like how teenagers yeah. are kind of like, hey, hey, yo, you know, um, I want to ask you something. I'm like, yeah, what is it? And it's even now where I like get messages and like people adding me and being like, hey, yeah, um, I, uh, is this like, and I'm so, it's that same kind of shy, that same kind of not really wanting this out there and that same kind of like, oh, I don't want people to kind of know that I'm doing this kind of feeling. So I would say it's fairly similar to being in high school. Mm-hmm. I very rarely meet other, especially other women that are open and are like, yeah, no, and I did this, and he flipped me upside down, and we was all, like, they, I maybe met, oh, what is it, two, three women that are like that. The rest are very, very shy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Good. Okay, so now we are in college, and did you, how did you hear about the new photography thing, and, like, what were your thoughts before you take all your clothes off and start prancing around in the classroom? 
<laughs> so I got the job through a friend because he had to quit because he was um didn't have time. He was going into I think his master's program. So he was mm-hmm. just like, Yeah, I don't have time for this anymore. It's work is uh, sorry, school is hectic, but it's good pay. And I know that you are like super open about, you know, nudity and sex and stuff. So you'll be fine with this. I'm like, Yeah, I am fine with this. Thank you. This is probably the easiest job ever. Because I literally just had to make it and stand there in different poses and I got paid twelve bucks an hour. Like that's for a college kid, that's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had you and that was had the first time I saw a penis. That was the first. That's so adorable. So yeah, I was so yeah. excited because they had this like little room where we would get changed, and I never forget his name was Gunther. <laughs> like his parents were like from Germany or something, but he was born and raised in the states. And they're like, yeah, okay, now you guys go in there and you get like, and changed. And Gunther just walks on in, and I'm walking in. I'm just like, yeah, I'm about to get naked. And then it, as I'm getting undressed, it dawns on me. I'm like, oh my god, wait, he's getting undressed too. I'm gonna see a dick. Oh, I'm gonna see yeah. my first dick. <laughs> I was oh, yeah. so excited. Oh. I was so excited. Gunther was your first dick you saw. Did you ever tell Gunther about this? No, I don't think I did. But if he listens to this, he'd probably never listen to this. But if he did listen to this, Gunther, you look great. You know, I didn't have a lot to compare to at the time, but I've seen enough pictures. I was just like, you have a very healthy-looking penis, sir. Oh, that's adorable. Thanks, Gunther. Oh, so cute. Yes. Okay, so... Um, had you had experiences being nude or naked before the, um, photography or art class? No, I didn't. Really? That was the first time. I mean, I, I think the closest I ever gotten, so I'm a big geek, (laughs) if we throw this in there. I like anime, comic books, like I was reading comic books way before Marvel Cinematic Universe did their thing, DC Cinematic Universe too. So I would go to the conventions. And so at the conventions, I would, you know, cosplay, which is I would make my own costumes and I would go. And so just because I didn't have a lot of money and fabric is expensive, I tended to pick like the more skimpy costumes. And Mm -hmm. so, like, there weren't, like, you know, boobs out and everything, but they were, like, you know, just, like, I cosplayed, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but Kida from Atlantis, The Lost Empire, uh, it's a Disney movie, older one, didn't do too well, but, like, she just wears, like, a little, like, tank top, uh, not even tank top, it's just, like, a wrap around her boobs and, like, this skirt kind of thing. And so my whole midriff and my shoulders and stuff were out. My legs were showing and stuff. So it wasn't nudity, but, you know, I definitely wasn't, like, a modestly covered Texan girl. So, like, but that's the closest I had ever gotten before college. So, no, that was my first time. And I just went in there and I was just like, whoop, like, close up. All right. Draw me like one of your French girls. Wow. That's so cool. So while you were while you were a model, what how did that change how you viewed your body and viewed your sexuality? What were some of the big picture ideas that or conclusions you came to about life while you were sitting there for posing? <laughs> well, one of the things that was interesting is having people draw you and draw your body makes you much more aware for me, at least made me much more aware that I'm a black woman because I would see like drawings and stuff from like previous, um, like students and or like models and stuff. And the way that they drew, you know, white figures was completely different than the way that they drew black figures. So mm. I was, the way that they would, for example, draw my hair. My hair is completely natural. I've never had a perm in my life. So sometimes I'd walk in there with afros and twists and braids. And they literally, I remember a couple students literally just, like, drawing just a circle over my head. Like, everything else would be, like, really, really detailed drawing of my body. And they would just draw a circle for my hair, for my afro, because they just didn't know how to do it. Or yeah. just, like... Having them being able to draw a black woman's body with more of the curves, with more of, you know, I've got a nice butt. At least I think so. No, I know so. Um, and just really having them deal with a different base figure and me being more aware of it. And also even when they would do, like one time the teacher did a portrait of my face and just my face. 
And I could see him sitting there thinking and, like, looking at me and looking at the page again and, like, really trying to capture the more African features of my face. So it made me more aware that I am black. And it made me more aware of that because I'm a black woman, people are going to receive my body differently than they would a white woman or a woman of another race. Oh, that's so beautiful. What did you do with that information once you recognized this? How did it change you? Well, it changed me in the way that how I kind of approached dating and kind of how I approached relationships. Because, uh, yes, I'm fully aware I'm a black woman. But to be reminded of that on such a physical level really brings it forward when you're going through and when you're trying to interact with guys say at like a college party or like when like one of the few times I've actually been to a club because I don't like clubbing I know it's a terrible thing to say but no I hate them clubs are so overrated thank you clubs are so overrated like one of the two times I went to the club like and a guy approached me and he was all like yeah you know yo you looking fine and I'm like yeah I know like I've literally seen myself in pictures drawn, so yeah. I mean, you got yeah. you got to just step it up, man. You can't just tell me I look good. I already know that. No, I already <laughs> like, know. So what's your next question, mm-hmm. friends? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So let's get on that. But that's really how it affected me. It gave me a little bit of a confidence boost. I'm not gonna lie. And my mom loved the pictures. Like I would take pictures of their drawings and send them to my mom, and she'd be like, "Oh, that's so pretty! Oh, I know." And they didn't draw your face, but I know that's you. And I'm like, "Thanks, mom." Oh, that's great! I did. Um, I was still virginal, but I did a. Um, <laughs> I met up. I met this guy in a in a New York City subway, and he was so cool. Like he just had all the New York City swag, and I looked at him and I was like. I feel like in the next 24 hours, I'm going to be naked somewhere where you are. And it was true. It happened. And um, he ended up being an artist. And we met up at a bar. It was, it was like it was like a dive bar in an almost hipster, hipster area, but it was still sleazy. And we started talking random, random shit. And then um, he was like, yeah, I draw, I draw news. Or he liked to draw. And I was like, okay, what do you like to draw? And then he gets really embarrassed. He was like, I like nude. I like drawing people nude. I was like, well, do you want to draw me? And he was like, oh my God, that would be amazing. And so <laughs> we went over to his house and he did drugs. And then I, <laughs> it was really not a great idea. And so. It's um, so New York. It's so New York. That was the first time I'd ever seen in, a pro, in illegal substances. And I was like. But then he drew me. I did not get the photo, though, because he said he had to finish it. And then, of course, like, you know, New York has 12 million people. I'll never see him again. But I loved it. And I loved looking at myself. I was like, oh, my God. Like, all the parts of my body make sense when you see it mm-hmm. drawn. I was like, I look fabulous. So, anyway. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, so, now I'm slightly obsessed with, like, new photography if anyone ever wants to mod, like need a model i'm i'm here for it i'll totally do it anyway. yeah same oh my god same oh it's so fun it is so so fun okay um so after this what was your experience like having sex for the first time because you were you were a late herb bloomer mm-hmm. yeah yep Never forget. I so I met this guy. He lived on my dorm floor, and so we ended up hitting it off. Like I was like, okay, you're kind of you're kind of awkward, but you're geeky, but you're still cute. I know he was he was from Bulgaria. And oh my like, god! I was like, where where even is that country? He was like, oh, it's not important. I'm like, don't say that about your own country. But like, I'd st- if you yeah, if you asked me to point to Bulgaria on a map, I'd still probably wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he was sweet, and we actually dated for a while. We dated for a solid couple of years. And so, like, I never forget. I was like, all right, I remember what my mom taught me. If we're going to do this, and you're going to get tested, and then I'm going to get tested, and then we're going to get, I'm going to get uh-huh. birth control, and I'm going to get, like, I was, I was making a list. Like, I had everything planned. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was absolutely ready. So much, in fact, that... 
you know, one of the things that I love about me and my experiences, I will say that my first time having sex was 110% on my own terms. Like I That's picked the date, I picked the place, I picked even the time, like everything <laughs> was on my, yep, I would have, first time I had sex was November 11th, 2011 at 11, 11 p.m. Wow, you really did it. Yes. I love that so much. And it was in my apartment, in my bed, after we both got tested, after I got on birth control. And his test came up negative. And my test came up negative. I'm like, you good. I'm good. We good. Let's do this. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Yes. That was 10 years ago. Almost 10 years ago. Yeah, almost 10 years ago. Congratulations. Are you going to celebrate your 10-year anniversary of having sex the first time? Uh, I don't know if we're still in quarantine, a pandemic going around. I don't know. (laughs) We might just have to celebrate by myself. But, Yeah. yeah, so I'm very, very proud about that, that my first time was so you know, in my hands, because a lot of women do not have that luxury and cannot say that. And so that's kind of been where my sexual journey begins is because I want it to be, have more of it be in my hands and not just me being in control of it, but being more able to understand what my hands actually are because yeah it was nice you know it means yeah for your first time having sex i orgasm twice thank you very much but you know you yeah um but you really i really wanted to branch out because even like uh, during our relationship like people do stuff and i'm like you know what but what if you spanked me harder though or like you Mm -hmm. you would come up like hug me from behind i'm like oh you know what what if you did put a dick in my ass? Like, I just, you know, I remember just, like, having these thoughts, being like, I think I want you to handcuff me or, like, maybe be tied up. Like, hmm, I need to, I need to see where this leads. And so it was more me after that trying to figure out, okay, what are these hands for? Like, what do these hands actually want? And so that is when I began to veer more towards, I guess, kink is the technical term for it, um, and the kinkier side of sex. And don't ask me why, like, I started to go that route. I just did. Like, it just, I don't know, something in me. I mean, past life or something. I don't know. But I just, yeah, I just remember thinking, like, one time, and I was just like, you know what? I really want to be tied up. <laughs> like, like, it was such a casual thought. Like, I was just like, whoa, whoa, yes. where did that come from? Because before then, like, I knew about sex, but, like, BDSM and, like, other types of sexual kinks were not, like, at the forefront of my mind. Like, I, back home in Houston, you know, I hung out with, you know, some of the furries. I hung out with, like, the vampires. I hung out with, you know, all kinds of circles and groups that I probably shouldn't have been around since I was technically a minor. But it worked out. (laughs) Yeah, because we didn't know. Wait, you call it a vampire? What are these people? Yeah, so my hometown in Texas actually has one of the largest underground vampire communities in America. Um, when I say vampire, I mean vampire, like people that drink blood or like they're energy vampires. So like people that were like drain and feed off other people's energy. And so, yeah, they just went the whole nine. Some of them just had like the teeth and the outfits. And I remember loving the outfits. Because it would be like corsets and high heels and Victorian era dresses. I'm like, where did you get these? I wow. want them so much. Yeah, it's, I never did. Yeah, I'm my first vampire at the library. That's, are these sexual people? Or like, are these just, this is their yeah. identity? I've never heard of a real vampire. It's, both. Um, so I met the, my first vampire at the, at the library of all places because, you know, big geek. So I was always at the library reading. Yeah. And so we just started talking and he just was like, oh, well, you know, you're very mature for your age. You're very intelligent. I was like, oh, thank you. He was like, you would make a great vampire. And I'm like, oh, I mean, what? maybe. Are you offering? Like, I remember thinking that. And he was like, no, well, 
like, maybe sometimes you can come and you'll go see in our coven, you know, always. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I like a coven. Why not? Like, I was maybe like 15. I was just, I was like, hey, sure, why not? And so I came over and I went and I met, you know, other vampires. Like, I was obviously, people knew I was a minor. They treated me with a lot of respect. Uh, they answered any questions that I had. And, like, uh, it is, for a lot of them, a full-on lifestyle. Like, you know how some people have urges to, like, be spanked and, you know, tied up. They're like, yeah, yeah. I just, from a young age, just had an urge to, like, drink blood and, like, wanted to feed off of others. And they're like, you know, the spiritual aspect of it, like, blood is very powerful. It's the life force, you know. All this kind of stuff. So I was just like, it was like young me just sitting there taking it in to be like, okay, yeah, no, this makes sense. Yeah. yeah and so a lot of vampires actually do practice elements of BDSM because it's blood. Obviously, you can't get blood. Well, for the most part, you can't readily have blood unless you, you know, do some sort of cutting or like something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I remember seeing a little bit of that. It wasn't too crazy. Like they would make, you know, always ask for permission beforehand. I remember being mm-hmm. really surprised by that because, you know, in the movies, you just the vampire just goes, just like, you know, bites into somebody. But no, it was very mm-hmm. much so about consent and asking and making sure everybody was okay, making sure everything was clean and sanitized. And, you know, because, you know, vampires, yes, but still dealing with blood. So, right. you know, clean and sanitized. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, like I never joined the coven or anything, but I did see them a couple more times after that. And so, yeah, I did hang out with the vampires and then I also like the furries. So furries are the people that, you know, if you've ever seen the people dress up in like the full animal suits i guess you want to say yeah so those are the furries and so i got kind of get to know them more where you know they anthropomorphize animals and they some of them do find sexual attraction to anthropomorphized animals which i totally get especially my generation we grew up with like what the rescue rangers we grew up with animaniacs like we grew up with a bunch of lola bunny from space jam was fine as hell. So if you grow up and you like, you know, anthropomorphized animals, I'm not going to judge you because I'm like, yeah, Lola Bunny's hot. Uh, she's a bunny, but she's hot. Like, that's oh, not strange to me. Yes. That's amazing. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. So we talked about Bulgaria, um, or Mr. Bulgaria, and then um, y'all were together for a couple years, and then... That's interesting. The vampires and the furries. I didn't know those people existed, but I wish them well. Um, so what else did you get into when you were in college? Like, how did your sexual identity or your exploration, uh, like, morph as you grew and became more sexually active? Yeah, so... In college, I basically branched out. I think in college is when also I realized that I was sexually attracted to women. Because, uh, I forget, where was I? It was Halloween, maybe, at a party. And I just remember things going as they do in college, you know, with the alcohol mm. being imbibed and such. Yeah. I did not drink, mind you. I was 100% sober because I do not like the taste of any alcohol except rum. I'm a big rum drinker, but everything else. Oh, my God, me and rum. We go, we go way back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, and I just remember I got a lap dance from one of my good friends, and she was a girl. She had these amazing boobs. Like, oh, her boobs were big and beautiful and luscious. And I just remember getting a lap dance with her and having these beautiful tits in my face, just being like, I like this. I really like this. <laughs> I really <laughs> enjoy this. <laughs> like, I mean, just when I say they were, lo- they were like, what's that, cantaloupe-sized Yes. And just, but not like, like, not like big and perky, like, you know, those fake boobs. They were naturally cantaloupes. And they were just so oh. wonderful. Like, perfectly yeah. shaped. I remember grabbing them and just being like, yes, I like this. Oh. And so, yeah, and so that was just when I realized, huh, yeah, well, I think I like women. And then I kind of explored more, more of that because I had another female friend and, that we started hanging out, and I was just like, you know what? I like you. I like you sexually. This is a thing now. <laughs> I, like that. I like you sexually. 
because I've just been so, I was open to sexual stuff so early that, and I've always kind of been on the fringes of sexual stuff or like sex culture, you know, vampires and furries and like a couple of other stuff. And so finding out that I'm attracted to women was no big deal for me. I was just like, all right, yeah, no, this is neat. Mm -hmm. Other vaginas are nice. I wasn't expecting another vagina to be as nice as it was. I thought it was strictly dickly, but then I was like, a vagina. This is actually kind of nice. Like, I like the power of giving another woman oral sex. Like, it was like, yeah, bitch, I'm gonna make you come. Like, that's, that's a nice yeah. feeling. I'm like, huh. I get it now, man. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, when, how did you transfer your practice of masturbation to um, oral sex with other women? Like, did you make that transition or did, did you separate your body from other vaginas? Like, what, what happened in your head in order for you to, to explore? Hormones? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't really think there was like that much of a transit if if there was it just felt like more of a natural progression more than anything else because it's like okay like i could be intimate with a guy and give a guy oral oral sex so like why can't i be intimate with a girl like and it wasn't just random people like i've always been very much so uh it being in my friend group so i'll become friends with someone and i'll really get to know them and be like hey let's do sexual stuff because i trust you and i know you so and they usually are down Uh for it so yeah, no. my friends to this day are still like, are still like that, which is great. But it's I'm like, man, no, I do, I have a type, don't I? Like a a really specific friend circle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was basically like I didn't see the difference between the two. It was someone that I cared about, and we were being intimate with each other. And, yeah, as a part of intimacy is just oral sex. Like, I'm a girl, so I know it feels good down there. So I was just like, yeah, I'm an A-plus, this bitch. Like, as it kind of was the same yeah. attitude I took toward oral sex for a guy. I was like, I have read about this. Not Cosmo magazine. No, I've read research papers. Like, <laughs> I know the fellatio techniques. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I'm an A student, so I want to get an A on everything. So I'm like, I'm about to ace this penis. And so I use all the techniques. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, all the techniques that I read about, I was, I was going, you know, as I put it in the back of the throat, start humming so that it vibrates the tip a little bit. Like, you know, just whatever, it's like doing circles, squeezing the base of the penis. If they want, you always ask, but you get a finger up the butt, touch that prostate. Feels great, men. I'm just saying, don't think it's gay. It's like the clitoris, but for men, your clit's just inside your ass. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then it's like going on women. It's like, well, I have read, read up on the conolingus, so I, I, definitely want to ace this because i'm a woman and i feel like if i don't do well at this and it's just shameful so i went full in just like all in it's like yep nope i'm just it's and she didn't have any complaints whatsoever so yeah i feel like yes i love it um how Describe your friend circle, because I think it's interesting when people have their friend circle and they engage in sexual things within their friend circle, because that can get weird real quick unless (laughs) there are boundaries and without, like, how, how did you do this? That's amazing. Yeah, I just... I guess it's because, one, my friends tend to be older than I am. Like, I'm, I've always been the youngest in my group of friends. And mm-hmm. so that, I guess, plays into it a little bit because they tend to be a bit older, a bit more mature. But also, it's not like everybody is doing things with everybody else. Like, they still have other partners and, you know, boyfriends and whatever, girlfriends and stuff. But it's just, like, on those occasions where, like, we're at a party Nothing else is happening. We're just, or not even a party. We're just at one one of our places. We're sitting. We're chilling. Like, 
And then things get hot and heavy for one reason or another, and we just go for it. Like, I never forget the first time it happened was in high school. It wasn't sex, but, I mean, things got hot and heavy because we were watching gay porn. It was, like, myself, mm. uh, two of my that. friends that were dating, a boy and a girl, and then two of my other friends that were dating, uh, two guys. So they were watching gay porn for some reason. And then, so, of course, everybody starts making out. But I have no partner. And so I'm just sitting there all sexually frustrated with nothing to do. So one of the gay guys decides, oh, my God, wait, I want to touch your vagina. I'm going to touch your vagina for the first time. And I was like, sure, I'm turned on. I need stimulation. Why not? And keep in mind, this is my good friend. We've known each other for, like, years at this point. Like, solid two, three years. And so, dance my pants off. And he was just like, I remember <laughs> he touched my vagina and he was like, oh, it's wet. Oh, my God, it's wet. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin, it gets wet. Mm-hmm. And that's what we told him. He was like, oh, my God, how does it, does it do that on its own? Oh, that's so weird. Like, you know, he's been gay his whole life. There was never, there was never any in the closet with him. No. Um, and so he was oh, like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my fingers inside. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he, like, slowly puts his fingers inside my vagina. He was like, oh, oh, ew, oh, oh, my God. Oh, 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 ew, ew, ew. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a guy. Yeah, I was like, gee, thanks. You're making me feel amazing about my vagina oh, right now. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So funny. So I love that. Did you um, explore like polyamory, multiple partners at the same time, or were you a monogamous person? Were you chronically monogamous? Like, how did you how did you build relationships or sexual partners and combinations? Or did you? Well, I really didn't build anything. Like I said, it was just with friends and people I know and people that I trusted. So like I said, um, I dated the Bulgarian for a while. And then after that, I started taking pole dancing. Well, no, I, while I was dating him, I started taking pole dancing classes. And then like it was through pole and also through a couple of other friends that I like met in and around because I'd moved up to Chicago by this point and it was in and around that time where I began to just start to get I don't know how maybe it's just the universe or something it's like dragging like be a hoe but like I got through pole dancing I got into more of kind of the BDSM aspects of things and just started to attend munches and so while I wasn't like in a polyamorous relationship with like many partners or having multiple partners I did begin to experiment with like the beginnings of BDSM around this time like I never forget at one of the sex bows we went to um that my pole that my pole instructor invited us to um I remember that was the first time I ever saw like a BDSM exhibition and so I just remember being fascinated by this. Like, I had read a little bit about BDSM, but I really didn't know. And so I just remember seeing, like, all of the whips and the rope. And, like, they had, like, this, this like, wheel where you could tie someone on it and, like, spin that person around. And they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, does anyone want to try? And I was like, me. Oh, my God, me. me. Like, <laughs> I want to be t- I want to be tied to this wheel and I want to be spun around while someone spanks me. I don't know why. I just have a really strong urge to want to try this. And I did. And it was great. (laughs) So especially after that moment, I'm like, there is something here. (laughs) Like, I I can deny it no longer. (laughs) Wow. I have a question. Two questions before we delve into the BDSM part. So what is a munches? And how did you define being a hoe or a, what is a hoe to you? Um, well, I use the term hoe like in a humorous way because most people, anybody, any woman specifically that does not like have one partner and is, you know, per- puts on a perfectly virginal image of purity and things like that, they're going to call her a hoe, you know, 
So yeah. that's me just kind of reclaiming the term. Um, <clears throat> because yeah. I'm not going to be that. I know I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be, you know, the woman that's going to, like, want to have sex with the lights off and, like, only missionary style and, like, maybe doggy style if it's our anniversary or something <laughs> like that. Like, I, I'm adventurous, and I know that. I am very adventurous, and I'm very open to a lot of different things. And so I just preemptively call myself a hoe because I know other people are going to call it. And it's kind of like what Tyrion Lannister said in Game of Thrones. He was like, take what they call you and wear it like armor so it can never be used against you. Mm, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Munches. This is my geek coming out again. So munches are BDSM gatherings uh, that are organized by the community, and basically it's a chance for like-minded people to come together and, you know, have a good time. You Sometimes munches are just strictly social events, networking, kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like, you know, scoping out, you know, finding a new dom, or maybe you're looking for a sub, or maybe you're just looking for someone to do a scene with, or something like that. So it could be networking, or it could be places where scenes are done. And so, oh, I should probably explain this. So a scene is I like kind of like a role. Like I'm so confused. You need to explain <laughs> dom. You need to explain sub. We need to know what BDSM stands for. We need BDSM one oh. remedial class for the people. A.K.A. me. Well, What's happening? I don't know these things. Mm-hmm. Well, Go ahead. just to shameless self-plug, but I'm actually going to be doing an intro to be a BDSM webinar on March 15th. Ooh. So, yeah. So that could be something that your listeners will want to tune in on. Yeah. And if you've ever been interested in BDSM, which stands for Bondage, Domination, and State of Masochism. And so... Basically, BDSM, if you guys know it, it's probably going to be from Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I hate I hate that book so much. It's not. Just know that that's not real BDSM at all. It's not real BDSM, okay? All right. So. Okay. <laughs> but it's basically, it can be many different things, and it's only one of many kinks. And so for me, specifically... Um, wait, what did I say? Bondage? Like, no, sorry. If for me specifically, I go into BDSM because I like being a submissive. And so what a submissive is, is short to sub, is someone that is submissive to a dominant. Now, what this means can vary from person to person. For example, for me as a submissive, when I go and I do a scene with someone, that means that the dominant is going to be in charge of the scene. So, for example, if we're role playing, like, <clears throat> I don't know, if we're role playing like a kidnapping or something, right? So the dominant is going to be taking on the role of like the kidnapper, I'm the victim, and he's going to tie me up, and, you know, he's going to punish me in a variety of ways that were previously agreed upon because BDSM, our core tenets are safe, sane, and consensual. And so mm-hmm. when going through and talking about, you know, BDSM people get a little bit antsy because they're like, what? You're like, you, you, you want someone to like hit you and, and things like that. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> and just because that to me is pleasurable, but it's not just pleasurable. It really is a, BDSM at its core is about a power dynamic and mm-hmm. being able to toy with and understand the power dynamic like I oops, I under I like the feeling of someone having power over me now that does not mean I want anybody and everybody to have power over me but if it's previously agreed upon and we are in a certain set of rules and a certain set of agreed upon oh scotch it's like what oh, I just remembered I think I said the wrong thing bondage discipline say to Ugh. bondage, discipline, sadism, and masochism. I don't know what I said before, but it was like gnawing at the back of my head. You didn't say it right. But <clears throat> but I like having someone have power over me. 
And that's just sexually exciting for me. And so for me, how I explain it to people is that I am in charge of my everyday life all day, every day. I have my own business. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a single woman taking care of myself. Like, it can be a lot. And so just to, at one point, be able to give over that control to someone else, to be able yeah. to just put myself into someone's hands that I trust and have them give me all kinds of sensations and put me into a fantasy that I may have or also to just let my body experience things that, you know, you wouldn't be able to experience in quote unquote vanilla sex. That to me, the release of BDSM is what really uh, is the biggest draw for me. And I never forget one of the mm-hmm. biggest moments of really understanding the power of release was when I was in a scene with someone and I had to use the bathroom. And so I had previously told this person, my Dom before that I, you know, kind of had a fantasy of peeing myself, but like never did it because I was really afraid to do so um, for one reason or another. And so I never forget like in this scene, I told him, Oh no, wait, but I was like, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. I told him I have to go to the bathroom. He was like, Oh, well you just pee here. And so he did. He, like, waited until I was in an urge. And, like, if you really want something to stop, there are safe words that you can say. Like, if I had said our safe word, he would have stopped, he would have let me go, and, I, you know, it would have been over. But I didn't say it because I was actually kind of curious, too. And so in this scene, in this safe place with this safe person, I actually did pee myself for the first time. And it was such a release because immediately afterwards I started crying. I did. I started crying mm-hmm. because I kept thinking, like, oh, God, I got to clean this up. Oh, my God, I made a mess. Oh, my God, I did something wrong. I did something terrible. Oh, my God. But then I actually had to, like, stop and, like, take a moment and just understand it's, like, Throughout our lives from childhood, we are taught not to do this, not to do that, not to do this, especially when it comes to relation to our bodies. Like if you have to use the bathroom, you must toilet. If you have to do this, you if you have to eat, you must eat a certain way. You have to drink a certain way. You have to do a certain way. Like all these kind of things, so many rules around our bodies that breaking that one rule of like not peeing in a toilet, just kind of peeing on the floor was just such a release for me. And I just, it was such an emotional release as well, where it's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be in control all the time. And so I remember immediately after crying, I just felt so elated. Like, I just felt so free. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is such an amazing feeling. And so that that feeling of freedom, of elation, of, like, just no rules or, like, rules, yes, but, you know, kind of feeling of going to my limit and breaking societal taboos and things like that, that's what really draws me to BDSM. Um, I am obsessed. What, what are you hoping to accomplish? Do do you have sex goals for your future or uh, directions that you want to go that you haven't gone yet or things that you want to do or try? I would like to do, excuse me. I think I would like to do a gangbang once. Like I haven't done that yet. Like maybe maximum five guys. I don't think I can handle more dicks than that. But, um, yeah, that's, like, a hashtag goal. Um, what else? Like, more scenes, just, like, doing different types of scenes, using different types of toys. I think one of my hard knows in the BDSM community is um, electroplay. Like, I don't, like, you know, like, tasers and stuff like that. Um, Mm. Not to shame anyone that does, but it's just not me. Not for you. Um, But I would like to do more, like, shibari which is rope bondage but like aerial Mm. shibari so like they tie you up and they like rig rig you up and you're hanging like i like to do more of that i just would really like (laughs) my dream is to be able to just have a like a relationship with a dom a dominant you know dom for short and just have you know regular access to one because especially now that i live in china it's and the well has run pretty much dry. <laughs> um, <Yeah. clears throat> just because, one, 
it's already taboo. And two, we're in a country where sexual things and stuff are not only are not only not talked about, but also actively discouraged from being mm-hmm. talked about and discussed and things like that. So if you do want to fulfill these types of desires, you have to be very careful about it here. And that has driven the very small BDSM community here under underground. So it has been, it's been tough. Like China has not been that great for me as far as like finding partners and things like that, just because, you know, you're already in a foreign country. So the dating pool is smaller. And then you have, you know, know what you want as far as sexually and like a relationship. So that makes the dating pool even smaller. So that's what I'm really dealing with right now is trying to find people. I, it would help if I could travel because it's actually a um, pretty well-known dom, professional dom in Singapore that I wanted to go and try out, but COVID. Uh, so. <laughs> a pity. COVID. Um, so BDSM in the black community, Chinese community, what are your thoughts about this? Or, like, sex within black communities and... Black Chinese people are repressed. Oh. Like, black people are repressed. <laughs> I'm, like, for, like... So, I've been advertising my intro to BDSM, right? And I'll advertise in some of the black groups here in China. And they'll be like, what? Oh, girl, you do that? What? Like, I have gotten a couple of messages, though, from a couple of skin folk saying that, yeah, no, I do do this, too. And I'm really glad that you're trying to, you know, bring this more into light in the black community. But most of the time, people kind of look at it and they go, ooh, you freaky. You, ooh, you do that? That's for white people. And I'm like. Okay, but I mean, granted, granted, there was a bit of time during my BDSM journey where I did have real conflictions about enjoying this because it's like my thoughts were as a black person, you know, how can you enjoy being tied up and beaten when your ancestors were literally tied up and beaten? Like I've heard this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually really, that was a struggle for me for a little while. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Or how can you call yourself a feminist and allow a man to tie you up and, you know, beat you and things like that? I was like, I mean, they can coexist <laughs> if you really understand the, the dynamic yeah. between the dominant and the, the submissive has the power. The submissive can stop mm-hmm. everything. Most dominants are very thankful for submissives because if they did not have a submissive willing to give their body over to them, willing to give them the control, then they wouldn't be able to do what they like to do. So the submissive is 100% in control of the situation. So, but with the black thing, it was kind of like, well, you know, my ancestors did not have a choice. And I do. Like, they fought and they died and so that I myself today would be able to have the choice to do and fulfill myself in whatever way is fulfilling for me. So that's kind of how I came to terms with that. And plus, I just like it. Like, I'm not going to deny myself of joy. Like, I pass that. I just, if I like it, I'm going to do it. If it's safe, I'm going to do it. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Um, great. So as we close, do you have um, advice for people when it comes to having a whole face or um, fucking or uh, yes? Do you have any advice, some perspective that could help some folks? Well, I wouldn't call it a phase because we're humans. Like most humans, unless you fall on the asexual spectrum, are sexual beings. So I wouldn't call it a whole phase. Just acknowledge 
your sexuality. Acknowledge your desire. Acknowledge what it is that you want and then find the courage in yourself to try to go after it. Yes, people are going to call you a hoe. Yes, you may get some, you know, side eye and some stares and some talks behind your back. Like when I was doing the pillow talk and I introduced a whole bunch of different sex toys, people were like, oh, you use these? And I'm like, I mean, not these specifically, but yes, I have sex toys at home because they're toys. They're fun. And so being willing to acknowledge yourself that sex is fun. Sex is enjoyable. And you should not be ashamed or guilty of doing what brings you joy. Like, men sure as hell aren't, that's for sure. <laughs> like, you just find that it's mostly women being called hoes and stuff. But, like, you know, if if it's not hurting anyone, if it's not, you know, actively putting you in danger, and if it's really, truly something that you enjoy... Just do it. Like, I mean, I don't personally believe you only live once, but if you're going to live now, (laughs) enjoy it. Like, just just enjoy it. And if you stop and settle down and find a partner later on, that's fine. If you don't, uh, we'd be like Samantha from Sex and the City in our whole phase well into our 50s and such. And that's perfectly fine. Oh, I love it. Um, how can we support you, find your work? What are you up to? What are you selling? Uh, what are you up to? Yes. Well, there is the Intro to BDSM webinar on March 15th. So you can always scan my QR code and follow my official account on WeChat. And then I have a couple of pillow talk parties planned for this year. So last year I did a women's only one. This year, I'm doing women's only, but I'm also going to be planning a couple's pillow talk. So if you're looking for ways to spice up things in the bedroom, or if you just want to see ways to be more intimate or to fulfill more desires in the bedroom, then you are more than welcome to join. They're all webinars, and a lot of them come with little goodies, like the BDSM introduction comes with a BDSM beginner's box to get you started on your journey. Oh, you get a box. Oh, I love it. You get a whole box. I don't know if they'll have video or not, but I can show it to you. Oops. Here's the box. Here. Oh, so fun. Um, I'm going to on Instagram so people can see the beautiful box. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Last question. Um, How would you describe your vagina? Hmm. What is she today like? What are you? Yes, what are your thoughts about it, he, she, they? I don't know how you're defining it or it. <laughs> my vagina is like a honeycomb. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good because it oozes honey a lot. Because I just allow, because it took for a while for me to be uh, comfortable with being aroused, like you being in a heightened state of arousal. So now that I am more comfortable with that, I'm just like, yeah, it's a honeycomb. It just oozes honey, and that's fine because my honey tastes good. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us on my podcast, Holy Coitus. Um, I will put all of the things um in the show notes and also on my website so that pe- people can follow you and support you and send you money to learn things about BDSM and all the things that you are doing. So, um, yes, thank you for joining me. No problem. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Excellent. I will stop the recording. Hang on one second. Y'all, from this episode, I learned so much. I didn't know not a thing about munches. And I I was the one that needed to know about BDSM 101. So I'm so glad that our guest was able to um, give us some intro information to all of this so that we can grow and explore and be in a new kind of way in the bed and other places. So... I strongly suggest that you um, catch up with our guest today. All of her information will be on my website, um, holycoitus.home.blog, H-E-A-U-X-L-Y, coitus, C-O-I-T-U-S, dot home, dot blog. And then also, there's an easy click button on my Instagram page, at holycoitus, H-E-A-U-X-L-Y, C-O-I-T-U-S, and you can check out my 
guests information and also follow what I'm doing with my podcast and my new platform. I am always, always, always looking for stories of folks and basically just to chat about your sexual autobiography. I noticed that so many of us have stories and experiences and questions and answers that we've come to and we always just want to talk about them and to just get them out in the air and it's so great to have an opportunity to do that whether you do it anonymously or if you want to do it publicly my platform is here for you and we are here for you too so um please please support by um following and sharing my platform with your people. Also, schedule a time so that we can also um, chat and get your story on the airwaves as well. I promise it is so fun and also very liberating. You have a story and you have a worthwhile journey that people deserve to hear about because you are incredible. So, until next time, y'all, have an orgasm-filled week. Bye-bye, friends.